Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, downloading the podcast. Please share the podcast. That is something that helps us out, and we would appreciate that. Um, yeah, so, uh, I've got a couple hot takes here. You ready? Yeah. Okay. What, uh, what cartoon was my nearly five-year-old watching when he came over? He was watching, uh, He-Man. He was watching He-Man. He He-Man. The, uh, original Hanna-Barbera, uh, yep. He-Man. So, another one of those, um, shows that you see, for, not for the first time, but basically for the first time in a long time. Yeah. It's when like you're, you're watching the first time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you notice a lot of things that you, of course, didn't notice when you were eight years old when you watched it. Um, He-Man, you know, muscular, muscular man. Yeah. Quite the homoerotic oh. outfit he has. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt. He's like, got, like, frilly boots on. Frilly boots. He, frilly. Like a fuzzy, like. Underwear. It's yeah. basically, like, and underwear. It's, 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 and it's then like, he's got, and then the shirt is just, like a cross thing that goes across his chest. Like yeah. his, his nips are showing on the cartoon and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like wavy blonde hair. And his, you know, his, his pants that he's wearing, they're like speedos. I mean, they're like, they're not even underwear. They're so tiny. Right. I just noticed, I, I, I noticed that and I'm like, yikes. The, uh, whoever the, uh, the, you know, original uh illustrators or cartoonists or whatever yes. like did they throw that out there and then the producers like yeah that looks good and they're like oh christ they they took that that's what we're gonna work with obviously they were trying to and by the way there is a documentary just toys i don't know if you've seen it it's on no. netflix but it just literally talks about back background toys it's oh, pretty awesome cool. i'd like to watch that i mean the he-man was just born out of nothing other than just pr so it was the it was the early 80s schwarzenegger and you know, Sylvester Stallone, like the whole thing was like in, in society was going to big, strong, be, like be muscles, mas- yeah, like masculine, be masculine. Yeah. They're like, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to do a and we're going to come up with a toy. Well, and then and, but and then it was original because the toy and the cartoon came out together. OK, so like, you know, the to- the cartoon was basically there oh, to inter- promote so for com- the toys. It was just completely engineered, completely engineered thing. And, and there's. A certain person recording a podcast right now that took it hook, line, and sinker. He-Man was the toy of choice for a young Jeffrey the Greek. Yeah, I mean, He-Man, obviously, based on Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Sure seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. Um, I was never a big He-Man guy. Like, I, I watched the cartoon, but I didn't have any of the, the toys. I was just all G.I. Joe. Me I was, and my brother were G.I. Joe freaks. G.I. Joe, awesome. Um, I was balls deep in He-Man toys, man. <laughs> I had them all. Uh, my uh, uh, um, fr- a friend, um, uh, Ryan, had G.I. Joe, and G.I. Joe was fantastic toys was as great. a kid. Um, but I tell you, my cousin, Ryan, had had Transformers, and Transformers were those pretty were cool, too. Those were cool, too. I, I, I mean, that, those were three solid to- uh, toy choices for, for, for boys, because I tell you what, girls' toy choices – Maybe it's still the same thing today. I don't know. I only have boys. Just ass. I mean, there was just ass tool uh, toy choices for girls. I uh, think my my sister was way into the Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much My Little Pony and she, oh, and <laughs> yeah. then Strawberry Shortcake oh, God. was another one. She just was horrible. Into that. Yeah, terrible. And then I just remember the the all the you know those dolls. They had like hair. And it would just be, oh god, just be matted down yeah. and gross. Like you oh, know, yeah. that was that was so bad. And they have Barbie. 
Bar- Barbie. Oh, okay, Barbie. Yeah. I mean, Barbie's way back, you know. Sure. But um, okay, so that was my first huge thing. So now we'll switch it back to football stuff. Dude, the flags are out of control with these football games. Like, oh I, gosh, I know. I okay. I, they got a job to do. Don't get me wrong. Like, you you, you go to a officiating school, whatever you want to call yeah. it. You know, like I understand, but. Okay, I think what we know what's going on here. We've got some sloppy football being played yeah. because of the the weird schedule and everything that's you know been thrown at these players and coaches. You know, it's like if you're if you're playing Madden, every now and then you get into this into this uh, season and you're like, God, these penalties, and you could just like literally go in and dial the penalties from fifty percent to like forty percent, like just dial it back. Like right. I I didn't get this game to get flags thrown at me. Right. We need to do the same thing with these refs. Well, like, if it's an egregious hold, call it. But my gosh. Okay, so you know how you watch a, I don't know, sophomore high school girls basketball game. And nobody knows what the hell they're doing, right? And the refs just like, they kind of, it's like an understood thing. We're just going to swallow our whistles for the rest of this game. <laughs> that you know? is fantastic. I yeah. mean, it's basically like. <laughs> We're just happy to have football right now. It's not even a regular real season. Let's just let's make it as enjoyable and digestible as possible. And I tell you what, like, I mean, if you're, you know, because I haven't, you know, my my favorite team hasn't played yet. Obviously, nobody's listening to this podcast has yet. Um, But there's I have favorite teams for three and a half hours at a time that I'm, you know, yelling at. Every time that team scores, you just cringe and you just wait for the flag. I know it's it's not fun to watch a game like that. Now, growing up, I swear it wasn't that way. Like, no, I didn't. You know, after a, a a guy made a catch out of the back of the end zone, you got two things going through your head. One, was it a catch? Yeah. And number two, is there a penalty? I swear, and maybe I'm just have a romanticized you know memory of of watching sports when I was a kid. I don't ever remember thinking like that when I was younger. You no. just it was a touchdown, right? Once it was called on the field, touchdown. There's been some ugly football, but again. It doesn't have to be quite this ugly if the refs would. Right. We didn't come to. We didn't come to watch you, you bro. Look, if if they all got together and said, "All right, let's just maybe, you know, just let a few of these go." Yeah. Do you think anybody at home would really care? I don't think so, no. and I don't think we'd hardly notice. Because again, of the time. we're just happy to have football. Right. We now. are, and we just want to watch. Who gives a damn that they don't call some, you know, piddly little hold that's away from the play that that doesn't affect the play? I just let it go. Agree. All right. Well, no uh, housekeeping items because by the magic of podcasting, we're actually recording our second podcast in one day. Yep. Apologize. Uh, you know, I feel like it's maybe more my fault. I don't know. But we didn't get to – we should have had a little bit more refined schedule to get these podcasts out. But, yeah, we've been a little lazy. Yeah. I'll be honest. I've been a little lazy about it. I don't know if it's so much lazy, just, I don't know, lots of shit going on and, and I don't know. Sometimes things get shuffled. I think part of it's just 2020 sucks yeah. so bad. Yeah, no yeah. argument here. Yeah. So we got one Big Ten West team left, and we got one Big Ten East team left. So we are gonna. So we got Michigan State and Minnesota. We are gonna start with the Michigan State Spartans. Shout out to Standing Room Spartans, a good follow on Twitter for all Michigan State stuff, and our boy Dougie. Tutter Doug, I don't know where he's at now. He's he he changes his name more than my my toddler changes underwear. So. Advice to people on Twitter: Don't change your Twitter name. So we bring up Dougie and then we insult Dougie. And by the way, he'll like DM me sometimes. Yeah. And then I don't I don't know who it is right away. I know. It's I like have wait, to figure wait, it out. Who is this? I'm like, yeah. Oh right, this is Doug. Uh, Dougie, famous for the John L. Smith 
misery index, which <laughs> we right. are going to touch That's on right. just a little bit here. So I forget that. Yeah. I oh, forget yeah. that for some reason. Last five years, 39 and 26, which is now um, uh, equaled out to about an eight and five record, almost ready to be off of the ledger is the 12 and two season, big 10 championship Ooh. season of 2015. So still holding that season in, that would be the last elite D'Antonio like yep. stalwart team. So we're, it's getting a little bit in the rearview mirror. Now that, that style of Michigan state, their lowest three and nine of 2016 last year, seven and six, you know, it's a pretty good year for sure. As far as, it's time to get a new coach. Years go seven and six with the Bulls, pretty good. Yeah, you got to be pretty happy with that. If you're, you know, if your coach is whatever, getting fired, yeah, resigning, right. moving on, whatever, after seven six season, that means you got a pretty healthy program right there. So who do we got coming in? We got Mel Tucker, first year at Michigan State. Um, got some Nick Saban ties in his background, a lot of NFL in his background. I think it's uh, safe to say that he is a defensive oriented coach, uh, which is a little bit against the grain as far as what people are hiring for. Now yeah, you typically see the head coaches offensive first, but it's also Sparty. It's Sparty baby. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, you gotta be different. Number one. Yep. And you're, you're a defensive minded football team. And I, 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 I'm, I support that. I mean, I think it sounds like you do too. Yes. Yes. Um, I think it would, would be fair to say, I'll put you on the spot here, but I liked the Mel Tucker hire a bit more than you. You liked it more than I did. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. didn't feel like he was, especially for a, a program that's in a position that Sparty is and what they've done over the last 15 or so years. I just felt like, and this is looking outside in, they could have done better. But, and, and what I mean by that, like he has a one year track record as a head coach and it wasn't, you know, a great year that he had at Colorado. It, it was not a great year. You can't argue with that, but Colorado was a dumpster fire before he got there. I thought they looked better right away. I really okay. did. Okay. And they had a couple, I mean, they beat Washington last yeah. year, you know, like there was some moments of, Hey, this looks like it's coming around at Colorado. Another good sign is that Colorado fans were pissed that he left. It wasn't like, yeah. you know what, screw this bum, get him out of town. I don't care. They liked him as a coach. So Yeah, but I think – so I also got the sense that Colorado fans felt like that first year should have been better than it was. Okay. And, and, they there, and there's the conundrum that's Mel Tucker to a certain degree. Yeah. I think both I mean, are true. It's kind of a gamble. Like, sure, he's got a great pedigree – I'm not saying it's a bad hire, but it's just a little bit of a gamble because you don't have a track record. Though. Okay. But again, I think that fits in for Michigan State to be yeah. able to to gamble on that. I think it's I think it's a good good thing for them to do. Offensive coordinator Jay Johnson, obviously in his first year. Scotty Hazelton is the defensive coordinator, but interesting enough, last year's defensive coordinator, Mike Trussell, still on the staff yeah. with Michigan State. What so. a coup to, to be able to keep him. I think that's a gigantic deal. Oh, fantastic. And it sounds like Mike Trussell from all accounts is Handling it well. I mean, that's essentially a demotion. I'm sure he's going to have a strong voice in the defensive room. But, right. Uh, I'll throw it out. What do you want to start? Offense or defense? I'll well, start an offense. Yeah, okay. Returning starters last year, I have it down to six. The yeah. numbers, not fantastic. Total offense, 95th in the country, 372 yards per game. Scoring offense, pretty bad. 104th at 22.4 points per game. Um, I would say, so this is a song. That I that I like. I'm I'm assuming this is a song you like. So I'm talking to Michigan State fans. This is this is what they want to hear. Tell me something good. Bow, bow. Tell me, tell me, tell me. 
Are you, you, know? So you just made that song up? <laughs> you don't know that song? No, I don't. Shaka Khan? Rufus and Shaka Khan? I mean, I remember Shaka Khan. Oh. I don't remember that song, though. We're playing that song once we remind okay. me. That's what Michigan State's, they want to, tell me something good about the offense. Well, and, and here's what I can tell them. Okay. It's not the same offensive staff that you've seen the last two, three, four years. I mean, and, that, and Michigan State fans are ready for something yes. that looks different. I mean, that's a good thing. I think any change on the offensive side is a good thing. But I'm going to say one thing about this team that's something good. Okay. You've got, I think the offensive line, here, people me, aren't giving them enough team. credit. Okay. Because they've got a lot of experience on this offensive line. You remember how they have battled injuries for the last couple years, right? Yep. So with those injuries, you got a lot of depth guys that were playing. So you got a number of starters here. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you start last year for the Michigan State offensive line? I did not, but I'm. I, the, You're I, one of the few males. I was, the, males next, I was that, the next guy on the list that they were going to call. Ten guys started at some was point last year. That's hard I mean, to do. I mean, that's that sucks for last year, but that's a good thing for this year. I mean, looking over their returning starters, you could easily say all five returning starters on the offensive line are back. I don't Correct. think I don't I don't think you're going too far out to say that. And let me let me they could not run the ball very well, but let me tell you something. In sacks per attempt, they were 15th in the country with that and they they were rotating guys every freaking game. Like sometimes maybe the same guys were playing, but they were switching positions. They never seemed to have the same offensive line lineup two games in a row. Agreed. And that's pretty amazing that they were 15th in the country giving up sacks. I agree. When that's the case. Yeah. So that's the one like thing. Like this, this offensive line, I would say, wound up being a solid C+. Okay? Most offensive lines put in the position they were, which was having that, they would have been like a D, D minus. Oh, absolutely. So you got to give them a ton of credit for how they hung in there. So for me, that gives me optimism that I, they could get it done this year on offense. Depending least, on how they adapt to the new coaches. But, at least improve. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great place to start. Right behind them on the offensive line, really good, really underrated running back in yep. Elijah Collins. Yep. Not a household name. Not saying he necessarily should be, but... You will know who Elijah Collins is by the middle of the second quarter if you're playing against him. He's Absolutely. good. He's, he's good. good. He's not like your home run threat type no, of guy, but he's no. solid. True and, freshman last year. Yep. And so his, And his backup was a true freshman last year, too, Anthony Williams, yeah. out of Bolingbrook, Illinois. So solid one-two punch there at the running back position. Hayward's Hayward for the spare. Um, I don't think, you know, definitely not the most explosive guy you've ever seen. But, you know, that was a guy that was getting a lot of carries not that long ago. So we're starting out okay here, right? We got yep. we, we feel we feel pretty good about the old line. We feel pretty darn good yes. about the running backs. Let's let's keep going to the wide receivers. Okay. okay. We got Jalen Naylor, kind of almost like uh Elijah Collins. Is he a household name? No, but I tell you what, he's a home run threat. Dude. He's dangerous. If he, so this is going to be another big thing about this team is health because they had so much problems on the offensive line. They've had so many problems at the wide receiver group too. So Jalen Naylor has struggled with injuries. He has to stay healthy. Yes. That's a key to this team. Yep. But also Trey Mosley, we know that name. Julian Bennett moves from cornerback to wide receiver this year. He was a four-star recruit. And Jaden Reed. There you go. Big transfer from Western Michigan University who, who by the way, has a teammate on this team did you know a high school teammate no is on this team okay are we ready to go to the quarterback room um or do okay you want to say more about the wide receivers i would say um uh it, it's it is not a wide receiver receiving room that's going to jump off the uh page no they got but they got some solid 
options at tight end as well. But just having that Jalen Naylor weapon, gadget weapon, um, and then uh, if Jaden Reed winds up being what they think he's going to be, again, it's almost kind of like the offensive line and running backs. Yep. This isn't bad. No, it's not bad. It's and, not bad. And we haven't mentioned C.J. Hayes, who also has had an injury history. So if he can stay healthy, too, yep. I'm looking at potentially five pretty good wide receivers here. Enough to do something with yeah, so would be the point. So we're and and you got um at, at the uh, tight end position, not great, but a solid Matt Dotson. So you've got some weapons here. Yeah, I would say off the top of my head, C plus B minus offensive line. I would probably say the same thing for running backs. Yeah, maybe more of like a a solid C for the receivers, yes. but has potential. Yes. Now we go to quarterback. Right, QB or not QB? That <laughs> is the question. Huh? Huh? Podcast? That's pretty good. All right. Right now, it it looks like Rocky Lombardi, great linebacker name. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing linebacker, linebacker name. Not so much for your quarterback. And he actually at times looks like a, a linebacker throwing Playing. the football as yeah. well. Now, okay. Really going to glass half full this thing. All right. He was not put in a good spot often when he has been the quarterback. Yeah, that's okay? fair. Um, he was kind of, he was always getting kind of jerked around with Lorky, you know, yes. eh, Lorky's hurt. You go in yep. eh, Lorky's. Yeah. So I got to give the guy a little bit of credit there. He didn't, I didn't hear him bitching, complaining. He tried to go in and do his job. Okay. Um, he is a poor man's Tim Tebow, Ooh. an extremely desolate man's Tim Tebow. Okay. So is that fair though? I mean, yeah, because he's a, he's a big, strong guy. You know, uh, doesn't throw the greatest ball in the world. Doesn't throw the greatest ball. Tough, but, but you don't want to. You don't want to tackle him. No. as a defender. Yeah. So is it seeming like? Are you getting the impression that Lombardi is QB one? I'd be. I believe he will be. Yes. See, so, because I was getting Jaden Reed's yep. uh, high school quarterback is Peyton Thorne. Okay. Who um, I believe I think he's a redshirt freshman this year. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman this year. So I, I like this guy as as a recruit. I. Don't know that I want to see him playing as a freshman, but there's there's a history there with with this wide receiver transfer they got from Western Michigan, Jaden Reed. So I'm I I would like to see Peyton Thorne. I want to see him play this year. So basically, what we're talking about is there's two other quarterback yeah. options, uh, Peyton Thorne and Theo Day. Yeah, different styles, type of quarterbacks. Um, I'm using uh, Standing Room Spartans here. He says that the the fan base is probably darn near split 50 50 okay. on who they'd want to see, which I guess basically means a very low percentage wants to see Rocky Lombardi, or, you know, maybe it's a who comes in if the offense can't do it type of thing. So, so you're saying that, that the Sparty nation wants to see either Thorne or day. Correct. Okay. And it's split down the middle. I mean, to me, Thorne is your future. It's kind of a throwaway year. I put Peyton Thorne out there. I would, I mean, obviously, we don't know if it is just like the dude is not ready, and it's yeah, either no one. Idea. If that's the case, he's not ready. But if you thought that it was close between Lombardi and one of these other two guys, I'm with you. Unless you really thought he was going to get killed. But we just talked about the offensive line being pretty good at pass pro. So. Right. Yeah, the good at pass pro. Um, and the thing about Peyton Thorne is he was not a highly recruited guy. He was actually going to go to Western Michigan initially. He committed there, and then uh, Sparty went after him and flipped him. But I think he's a sneaky under the radar recruit. I think he's he's got good wheels. He's got a, a decent arm, a good combination of both. So 
I, I'd like to see him and just, you know, see yeah. what the future looks like. And it seems like it's going to be more of a multiple offense. Is I don't think this sure. is going to look like – and I think they were already kind of starting to do it a little bit the last couple of years. It's it's not going to look like your, you know, mid-2015, no. 12, you know, uh, type of offense. So, in the end, again, if it just looks different, I think that's what uh, Spartan fans are going to be looking for. All right, switch to the defense. Yes, sir. I want to start at linebacker. Let's do it. Because I want to start with Antoine Simmons. Yes. Okay, bold statement. He might be the best defender in the entire Big Ten this year. Okay, that's a bold Have, statement. Now, it, it, I'm going off of if that if that happens, if that comes to fruition, two things are going to have to 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 happen. He's going to have to stay as hot as he did the second half of the year, and he's going to have to stay healthy. But if he looks like the Antoine Simmons that is at the top of his game the entire year, he is a stud. At the very least, I wanted to impress upon our Sparty listeners that I have this could be almost my new J.K. Dobbins man crush in in the conference this okay, year. Except I'm on the take, other side I'm of gonna, the ball. I'm gonna take your, your your Antoine Simmons and I'm gonna raise you a Noah Harvey. Okay. I'm not saying he's at the Antoine Simmons level. I'm okay. not saying that at all. But this is the guy that filled in for Joe Bocci when he was out last year. Played a absolute fantastic game against Illinois. Played an absolute fantastic bowl game. I think this is maybe the most underrated player in the okay. Big Ten. Okay. Stud. Uh, shout out to him sticking around. And, and I mean, what we're getting at here is this is a pretty darn good linebacking core. Um, not not household name, jump off the, the page type of deal. I don't think they're incredibly deep. At the linebacker yes, spot. That's, that's my fear as well. I okay. mean, look at the two deep. You got sophomore, freshman, freshman. So that's what I kind of pointed at. They're going to have to stay healthy. I mean, I was talking about specifically Antoine Simmons with that. But, um, yeah, there there is some talent there. Uh, switching over to the defensive line, uh, Jacob Panasiak. Panasiak. Pan- Why do I keep doing that? Jacob Panasiak, very solid. I'm not going to say absolute game changer. No, but, but he's, their best, he's their best defensive lineman for sure. And if you remember... There was a time when he opted out, but he opted back in. Huge. Boy, I mean, you really needed him. He's the only returning starter there on the defensive line. With quite a bit of playing time with Naquan Jones, this was a – this was a player that Sparty fans two, three years ago was really looking at to be a stud. I'm not saying he hasn't panned out, but maybe not quite as high a level as what Sparty fans would have liked him to be. So kind of eyes are on Naquan Jones. After that, to – to you know, start pointing at the depth and who's going to be at. Yeah, we don't know. It, yeah. it 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 is. We I don't think even some of the most diehard Sparting fans are going to know until the team rolls out in a week here. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems I have with this roster overall is just the depth. I mean, it was you look at the roster and you're like, yes, it was definitely time for D'Antonio to move on because it just wasn't. He just wasn't the same coach he wasn't this bringing in the same players he wasn't developing the same players I mean he had that disastrous 2016 recruiting class which was supposed to take him to the next level and they are all, all took gone. off yep and that's basically what we're looking at here that was those guys would be starting our depth guys right now and they're gone and I remember when we did recruiting rankings how low Michigan State was yeah. some of the teams they were under was was shocking for the recruiting right. rankings it's start, we're starting to see that we're yeah. starting to come to fruition um you know, and, and then, okay, well, I'll get there, but uh, going to the defensive back. So they do got, they got a stud at each level. So that's nice, right? Cause, yeah. Because uh, Xavier Henderson, 
defensive back, uh, strong safety. Very good safety. Very, very good safety in the mold of a lot of the Sparty defensive backs. Outside of that, that was a that was a rough defensive backfield last year for the Spartans. Um, gave up, I mean, not horrible uh, passing stats. Uh, uh, Thirty uh, ranked thirty seventh last year, but as far as making the play when it needed to be made, it was something Michigan State secondary really struggled with. Yeah. They went against really good passing attacks. They really struggled. Long story short, it, there is a compliment in there. We're used to Michigan State's secondary looking sure. in, in, incredible. That's not what it looked like last year. No, and, and in fact, I'm going to go back to the Illinois game where Illinois d- does not have the most athletic wide receiver r- wide receiving group, especially at that point in the in the the season last year. And the the big physical Illinois wide receivers were absolutely dominating their defensive backs. Yeah. Like they were almost like helpless at times. And that's what I'm saying. Some of the more, you know, physically impressive wide receiver teams could kind of do what, what yeah. they wanted. So, um, okay. So specialist. Oh, specialist. Yeah. Well, we got one returning a okay. pretty solid one. Yeah. Matt Coggle Cog- is yeah. uh, is solid. He has struggled at times, but a very good kicker. I think he's, he's righted the ship and then punter, uh, Tyler hunt has played a little bit, but he's going to be competing for that spot as well. And a really good kick returner in Jalen Naylor. So, you know, not too bad special teams there. Okay. All right. So let's get into the schedule. The Vegas odds makers, again, on a nine-game schedule, have uh, Michigan State set at 3.5 wins. All right. So breaking it down, four-game, four-game schedule like we do for most teams. First four games of the year, Rutgers, Michigan, Iowa, Indiana. Um, I would say the ceiling would be 2-2. Two and two. Yes, out of that, and a floor of 0-4 is on the board. I mean, it's not off the board. Not totally off the board. You know, you, 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 you look at Rutgers and you say, oh, that's a win. But as we've talked about, Rutgers is probably going to be a little better than most people think this year. So with Rutgers being a little bit better than people know, um, if Michigan State lost to Rutgers, that would send a, a signal to a fan base, right? So I'm going to put Rutgers as the scariest game of the year for Michigan State because if if you don't win that game, you then look at the rest of the schedule oh. as a Sparty fan and you're like, yikes. Yes. Is, is, is an 0 for 9 burger on the menu for us. So I like Rutgers as well. I like early games as a scary one. Uh, first game of the year, we have no idea how they're going to look with a new coaching staff. I mean, granted, Rutgers is a new staff, too. Yep. So I guess they got that going for them. Yep. But, yeah, if you lose that game, you're looking at the rest of the schedule like, oh, maybe we can beat Maryland? I don't know. So I guess that's as good a time as any to get into the John L. Smith misery index from our friend Doug. I think what you're hearing from Kurt and I is that the expectations that we have are not extremely high for Michigan State. Sure, yep. I would think that would mean most of the fan base. We always got crazies, you know, God, God bless our souls. But most Michigan State fans understand this is a situation where we need to lower expectations. So when you don't have the high expectations going into the season, you can't get very high on the John L. Smith misery index because no. th- there shouldn't be Correct. surprising misery here. No, I mean, the only way that the John L. Smith misery index goes real high, I mean, it, it would it would bump up big if they lost to Rutgers. It would, because oh, yeah. at that point, yeah. Okay, so that's the first four games. Last four games, Maryland, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State. Okay, Oof. 
tough tough end right there for Ohio State and but Penn State. A, but that's a good thing. I it think. kinda is. Yeah. Like save those guys for the end. Doesn't matter anyway. We're gonna lose those guys anyway. So you're looking at your season's the first six games. Right. It, right? And that's you get, how you look at it. Yeah. And then see who you get for that that crossover game. And let's be honest. I mean So this instead of a four and four, we should have just broke this down maybe six and two. Maybe we should have. Um because in, in all honesty, okay. I it, it is I'm not saying it's impossible because it's Michigan State. It's tough for me to see him beating Michigan. Okay? Yeah, me too. But out of those other six games, I mean, them they're beating all winnable. They're, those are winnable they're games. Not, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be dogs versus Iowa and Michigan. Yes, but I mean, and, and I would think Indiana, Indiana yes. as well. But them splitting Indiana, Iowa, off the charts, crazy. Of course not. No, right? It's okay. not crazy. Uh, you know, again with the over under set at three and a half. So Rutgers. Maryland Northwestern being the sixth game before they they go down to the uh, Ohio State Penn State gauntlet. You can see three wins in there if you squint. Sure. And no, then whoever they get as the crossover on the other side. But I don't know. That's a lot. That's a lot of wins right there. Yep. Especially when we were even sitting here thinking three and a half, huh? Seem a bit high. That seems a little high. To it me. seems a half game high. Yeah, I like me. the under on that. I, I do like the under on that. Um, so for scariest game, I had Rutgers. Did you say who? Did Did you have? Did you agree with Rutgers, Rutgers for me as well? Yes. Who do you have for the biggest game? Of I couldn't the year? decide between IU or Northwestern. Okay. Because to me, that's that's your path to a good season is beating those two teams. Um, nobody cares if you beat Rutgers or Maryland. So I, I'm just a toss up for me. Okay. IU North. IU Northwestern. I'm going to go crazy with this. Let's go biggest game of the year, Michigan. And I'll lay okay. it out for you. Okay. Let's say they beat Rutgers, right? Yep. Maybe they even look good beating Rutgers. Maybe they win, you know, 28 to, to 10. And things look good. What happens what, to a fan base when, when they win any game? You, f- you feel good, right? Oh, yeah. And then you just expect, well, then now we got to win that game, right? <laughs> so the next week you go and play your rival. Then it becomes the big, like, if we beat Michigan. Right. Right? You know who's the best but, fan base? Uh, but on the other side okay. of it. If you lose to Rutgers and you go into Michigan, at that point you're like, "This is what we would need to save the season at sure. this point." So, yep. makes sense. Yeah, and it's a rivalry. So the Chicago Bear fans, me being a Chicagoan, born and raised in the Chicago area, it is amazing the swings that that fan base can have from one week to the next. <laughs> like I swear, like they could be like a 500 team and they'll beat like a decent team. Oh, the Super Bowl, definitely. This is the year, Super Bowl. Then they lose the next week. Oh, sucks. We're Fire awful. staff. Get them Fire, all done. Get rid of everyone. That's Chicago land type of, it's of, amazing. of, of fandom for I've you. I've never seen a fan base with that with a bigger swing from one week to the next. It's a unique situation. It certainly is. All right. That will what better way to wrap, wrap up Michigan State talk than to talk about the Chicago Bears? Chicago the Bears, <laughs> my friend. All right. Last preview of the season. Apologies to the fan base of the state that the downstairs athletic club is located in. Of course, I'm talking about the Minnesota golden Gophers. shout out to Ryan Selesky and my buddy Dan for giving me some info. Um, um, there's been, there's a reason that we left Minnesota till the end. We thought that there could be news that could pop at the last minute. And there still could be news that pops at the last minute as we sit here Recording uh, one week from the day they play their first game. Correct. Uh, the In the tweet that we saw, that we uh, read at a different pod about Northwestern having guys out, the, the Star Trib 
uh, writer alluded to some of the same situations that could happen yeah. on the Gopher uh, roster. Pioneer Pressler. And, Pioneer Press, and excuse me. Raider. Okay. Um, so, so there's been a lot of chat. There's, and we're going to get into it, but we're already starting out the, for the reason why we let Minnesota go last. So last five years, 38 and 26. You know, just something to point out with Minnesota, even pre-Fleck. <laughs> what's up, buddy? Even pre-Fleck. It's not like Minnesota. Like I, Sometimes I feel like Minnesota gets crap for not being – as good as honestly as they've they've been it's this has been a pretty consistent team well yeah i mean i tell gopher fans that all the time they you know gopher fans seem to think that like they have this awful losing tradition but you go back and they're a pretty solid team almost they're they very rarely have go underneath five wins correct certainly you know four wins so they act like they're this tortured fan base it's not that bad as an Illini fan I get offended to be honest I mean they haven't gotten over the championship hump for for sure in a long long time but there's been there's been a decent there's been a good amount of wins absolutely um their lows five and seven back in 2017 the high we know that well 11 and two just happened uh last year who's the coach we got the bolt boy PJ Fleck in his fourth year offensive coordinator we got a couple guys rolling around here right Mike Sanford Jr. and Matt Simon defensive coordinator pretty much Joe Rossi but with uh uh Joe Harasmiak that also helps out you want to start out with with the Gophers well I mean I guess let's start with the offensive line because so go on the offense first let's start with okay so last year offensive numbers total offense maybe not quite as good as you think 42nd in the country with 432 yards per game that's good don't get me wrong but you know the the uh playmakers and the splashy plays that the offense make maybe to a certain degree you thought it'd be a little bit higher scoring offense quite a bit better though 21st at 34.1 yards per game where do you want to start on the offense okay here's what you like about this team coming back tons left tackle sam schluter Left guard, Blaze Andrews. Center, Connor Olson. Right guard, Curtis Dunlap. Right tackle, Daniel Filele. All five starters back from that offensive line last year that was just a bunch of road graders. And an offensive line that we thought, I'm not going to necessarily say that we thought was going to be a, a weakness of the team, but we had question marks. I certainly did. They, it, they put it was, me wrong. It was like they just got, they started out the year ranked, like they would. I would have graded them out like a 70 then they were the 74 and the 78. By the end of the season, yeah. this was like a a, a 90 rated offensive line, yes. mauling over the Auburn defensive line. Boy, did they ever maul those guys! I mean, I hadn't watched Auburn the whole year, and all I heard about was how great their defensive line was, and they got manhandled. They got manhandled. They absolutely. So you got that offensive line that just kept improving, like you said, the whole year. They're all back, but something ain't right. With the right side of the offensive line. Yes. So what we're going off of is right guard Curtis Dunlap and Mount Falele at right tackle. I, there there just seems to be too much smoke for there not to be a fire. Essentially, what Kurt and I are saying is we think we're going to hear late in the year that they're not playing this year or disciplinary reasons, maybe even got beat out for lack of, of effort to, to well, play the position. So a couple things. Um, yeah, we, we're, I'm not saying we're definitely going to hear something, but it's just, we've been, there's a lot of smoke. So we, we may hear something. Uh, Curtis Dunlap, if you recall, was transferring out. And then he, he literally like 36 hours, he was back 36 hours later, he was back. So that, that sets off 
a red flag for me. It does. Not only that, but it appears that he is not really on the starting offensive line anymore, that he has actually been demoted to second string. Now, we have to bring up the possible thing. There's not much going on here other than he's getting beat out by a better player. Well, that could be the case, too. Right. And so maybe he wanted to leave because he was getting beat out. And if you recall, Curtis Dunlap was a four-star recruit out of IMG Academy in Florida, and his teammate, Daniel Falele, was also an IMG guy. And Daniel, a lot of people don't know this, had surgery this offseason. So, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a having, you know, Mount Falele just, you know, side note, when we've gone to the practices, you've gone to more than me. We've seen maybe some warning sounds that might uh, Mount Falele, not the highest motor of a football player that you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it needs a little motivation. Correct. I guess, let's say. Right. He's, he's not the hardest worker out there. So. We don't really know what's going to come of this. Maybe, maybe it's just that Falele, you know, he's not 100 percent yet, so he's not he's not going to be starting yet. Maybe so that's honestly, all I mean, is. maybe we are maybe we are making a little bit too big of a deal of yep. this. Maybe it's just something where, it, and this happens to all football teams, right? Every single football team um, has some injuries, off season injuries, guys that are kind of and 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 if it's a credit to. Um, uh, PJ Fleck and what he's developed here in the football program, maybe they seamlessly are fine without those guys playing. It could be. Yeah. Okay. It so um, now let's go to, cause well, <laughs> let's stay in the, we'll, we'll see how this works out. Think before we, we will turn this positive at some point, Minnesota fans, I promise running back. We, m- you and I loved us some Muhammad Ibrahim, yep. right? Oh yeah. Still like him. Bowling ball, man. Love the way that guy hits a hole. Yes. Fantastic. There's also been rumors. Some chatter about him as well. With yes. Mo Ibrahim. So, you know, we're not saying we don't know for sure. But one of the things that I would 100% be looking for when Minnesota rolls their hats out versus Michigan is who comes onto the field to, yeah. to tote the rock. And I would be hoping that uh, number 24, Muhammad Ibrahim, is is coming out to play. Yeah, but also you got Bryce Williams yep. behind him, and I think the guy to look for is Cam Wiley. Correct. That guy, by the way, I have seen him in person, up close. He is chiseled from granite. Okay. He is an absolute specimen. And like we've said on previous podcasts, if there is a position that you would have question marks at that isn't quite a big deal, it would be running, running back. back. Is losing Mohim, Mo Ibrahim, potentially, a big loss? Yes. Is it an insurmountable loss? No. No. Okay. We're we're back out of the ugly pond yep. now, right? Because the rest of the offense here to talk about looks pretty damn good. So. Tanner Morgan at quarterback is right now is is inked in, not penciled in, inked in as the second best quarterback in the Big Ten. And I don't even yes. think we – I mean, the only one that I could maybe say – is Sean Clifford to give him a run for the money, but you really got to give it to, t- to Tanner Morgan. Yeah, and I think you Indiana fans would throw Mike Penix in there as one of the top as well, but no. Health matters. Uh, Tanner Morgan is the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten. 3,200 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, only seven picks last year. Freaky accurate quarterback. Is this guy's talent off the charts? No. He looks like a phenomenal eight-year backup quarterback in the NFL, and that's not a slight to Tanner Morgan. That that would be a, I I mean for where Tanner Morgan's you know career was just uh, fourteen months ago to say that he's almost for sure a draftable quarterback is incredible. It is incredible because we we went to practices and we saw him play, and I remember at the practice just saying, "Well, Anik said is the guy. He and has to be the guy because he had a 
far superior arm. But man, I mean, it just shows you how much, how important it is to have great decision making at the quarterback position because this guy is so efficient. Uh, with that being said, it's good that you did bring up Zach Anikstead. He was the starter going into last year before the injury hit. Agree, he was the alpha male, not only just on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it was pretty much, I mean, on the team, I it think you like could it, say. Yes. I mean, it seemed like people gravitated towards him in the in the year of COVID. Um, having a backup quarterback is huge. They they have they have that. Oh, they've got very they've got three. Deep, they've got a very deep quarterback room so that's another thing that's good for the gophers without a doubt uh and then wide receivers right might as well leave the best for last rashad bateman coming back was a twofold huge deal for this team number one he's gonna play in wide receiver he's a pretty good wide receiver yes i mean i i kind of feel like like i sometimes i feel like that people think he's just a downfield threat oh no dude is a complete wide receiver. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I disagree with that. But way. I've heard it. I've seen the. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, he does everything. He's a route runner. He finishes plays. He's, he's a after the catch guy. He gets between the DB and the and the quarterback. His he, body, body positioning. Body positioning's awesome. His yeah. hands are great. Catches away from the body. There's nothing this guy can't do. If he runs a really, really good 40. Oh, my gosh. First round. And I think he's going to be first round almost regardless. Yeah. But if he does run that really good, like four four seven forty, yeah, I mean he could be a top ten pick. Yeah, potentially. I, I'm, that's pushing it, but he's so, that good. Okay, I have a hot take for you. Minnesota wide receiver room overrated. Uh, okay, now you're not saying it's it's bad. Obviously, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's there's a big drop off from Bateman to the rest of the group. What I would say is, how would this look if Bateman didn't come back? It wouldn't be a very good room. Right? No, I yeah. don't think so at all. Now, he's back. Bateman is back. Yep. And because of that, that pops up C to the A to the B. Chris Ottman-Bell, he's really good. But reliable. Yep. Demetrius Douglas has retired. He's gone. That was somebody that was slated to be that third wide receiver. They were expecting in it. him to take a big leap this year. Now, somebody that uh, Gopher fans really like is Doug Emelin, uh, a, a looking very good, very talented freshman. Yep. Um. We got uh, uh, Dr. Evil, Seth Green, um, yeah, Scott Evil. But he's kind of a, Ga more, a gadget guy. Right. He's so, not your every down type of wide receiver. Yep. So Daniel Jackson, another name to throw in there. But there are certain position groups, you know, Wisconsin offensive linemen, uh, 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 Ohio State wide receivers. Um, you know, you can go across the board. I think we can now bring Minnesota wide receivers into the fold of just you assume they're going to be good, right? Because that's what PJ does, right. man. So I'm th that's I think that's why they are rated so high. But it's two I reasons: it's trust in PJ yep. and Bateman. Yes, but I just think to me, I I just think it's not quite as good as people think it is. I think that's fair. Yeah. All go for hate mail directed at B1G, B1G KURT. Tight ends. They have tight ends. There you go. Tight ends for days. I love this group. Co-Keefed, Jake Paulson, Brevin Spanford, Bryce Winham. Man, none of them are going to catch the ball. Well, none of them did catch the ball last year, but will that change this year? With we'll a new offensive new coordinator. Offensive with Mike coordinator. Sanford coming in with uh, Kirk Shiraka leaving for Penn State. I want to see more from the tight end group. I, and I think what I just said – that the the wide receivers aren't as deep as as people give them credit for. I think they're going to have to lean on the tight end group. Could be, yeah, could be. All right, let's switch over defense. Let's go to defense, man. Here's my take: 
this is neither as dire as rivals and some other places I have made it out to be. Yeah. I also don't think it's as good, if not better, than Gopher fans seem to have made it out to be. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, okay? I do have a ton of faith in defensive coordinator Joe Rossi. I, I do mean, too. I mean, he's proven that this is uh, – he can do it. You want to have some stats to prove that? Yeah. Total defense last year. Country. Okay, this is country. Okay. Tenth. Were they really? 307 yards per game. Wow. I would not have guessed that high. Now – Okay, I'm gonna nitpick a little bit, but some of the you look at some of the teams that they played: sure. Florida Atlantic, Tennessee Tech, or uh, I'm so sorry, uh, South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska didn't have um, uh, Adrian Martinez. They got Maryland and Rutgers from the East. Those were some bad offenses that they played. Yeah, but in the end, what are you supposed to do as a defense? Shut people they, down. They did what they, they did to it. do. Yeah, they did it. Okay, uh, scoring defense also pretty damn good. Thirty six in the country, uh, only allowed twenty two point five points per game. So there are pieces to work with. I trust Joe Rossi in the in the competition of who left the biggest vacuum from last year's team being gone to this year's team. We talked about Chase Young, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. We talked about AJ Epinesa at Iowa. Antoine Winfield Jr. was the heart, soil, playmaker, leader, face. He was the defense. And last if you year. remember, the year before that, they lost Carter Coughlin. Yeah, those are. I mean, well, Carter Coughlin's gone from last year. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. That's oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's two big losses right there. Those two huge losses. But Gigantic. Yeah, I mean, look what Antoine Winfield Jr. is doing right now. As a as a rookie, I in believe the NFL. he was the NFC Rookie of the Month to start the year. Yeah, out. I think he was because he was the highest. I think he was the highest rated rookie. Maybe that's what it like, was. Fro, you know, on, yeah. based on uh, judging every play, I pro football. Two pretty focus. good Big Ten West rookies that Tampa Bay got there with Antoine Woodfield Jr. on defense and Tristan Wirfs yeah. on the offensive line. It? They did pretty well with their first two. So first two picks him there is not it's a big just deal. A thing. No, we I mean. Again, like every single fan base gets puffy chesty when they're like, you can't replace that guy. Minnesota fans, you have the right to be puffy chesty here. We have the right to bring it up that it's a big loss as well. I mean, he single-handedly beat Fresno State two years in a row. Yeah. And then didn't he beat, uh, the was it the next week, Georgia Southern? He basically won that game for okay. him. All right. You know what? Let's let's start with the secondary, right? We'll work our way back and go, go down. So this is still, I believe, a good secondary, but... This gets us back into some of the ugly pond stuff that we had before. Um, uh, cornerback Benjamin St. Just, I, I mean, he's been at the forefront of essentially saying, man, we can't play these games. Well, okay, since you brought it up, that is one of the biggest questions. I, I think Minnesota is the least predictable team for me this year Okay, in can the I, entire can conference. I, let's get through personnel, and we'll get into okay. that for the schedule because I know where you're going, but I think let's just – I know what you're so saying. So Benjamin St. Just is one of them. Okay. Michael Treadway was another one. Correct. So that there's two on the defense. There's two or three on the offense we're not sure about. There's two or three on the defense we're not sure about. And these aren't just nobodies each time. Right. These are guys that you 100% are expecting them not only to play, but to start and be major contributors. So, so Du Treadway is basically the bell cow on their defensive line, and Benjamin St. Just is basically the bell cow of their defensive backfield. Along with Coney Durr. Coney Durr is sure. a, another fantastic cornerback uh, for, for Minnesota. Um, uh, Jordan Howden, he's the one that had the pick versus Penn State. Tyler Newbin is a huge recruit that they're expecting yeah. to step in at the other safety spot. 
um, uh, Justice Harris. There is uh, a lot of good names. Here. A lot Benny, of good names here. Benny Sapp isn't bad too. Yep. So a lot of good names here. I do expect the secondary to be the best part of of this defense. I you know I just wonder when you're going against who you believe to be the best teams in the conference, which you know I think has been Wisconsin Iowa over the last couple of years. Right. You would want to be more strong in the front seven than the back four or five. Yeah, but I think their front seven maybe at least the defensive line. I'm gonna start okay. on defensive yep. line. I feel like Boye Mafe, good good player. Dante Shad, good player. We yep. got we already talked about Michael Dutreadway. And then Atamewu on, on the other defensive end position. Yeah. There's another dude that, boy, he passes the eye test. He's good off the bus. I can Absolutely. tell you that. All name team to Azizi Otomewu. Um, So we got we got the Notre Dame kids, Shade. There is something there for the defensive line to work with. Um, it's, you know, typically with the defensive line, you want to see some sort of rotation. I do believe they have that, but you know, you want one or two guys to kind of set it off of. I do think Boye Mafe can be that guy, but he hasn't consistently been that guy. No. Like he had all the chances in the world to just be a, to take the starting job over last year. It was set yeah. up for him. He never really did. That's I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. And then if we want to go a little deeper, I, I guess the one concern I have up front is the depth. Okay. Depth is a concern. Yeah. I would say into the next layer with the linebackers, depth is is the same deal. Now they're they're running a four two five quite a bit. Um, you know they typically have three nickels out there, uh, you know, or two corners and a nickel out there. So linebacker uh, depth don't need quite as much out of them. Um, they got some chances at linebacker. Uh, Mariano Sorry Mayan he played in in place of Kamal Martin because if you remember, yep. Kamal Martin was hurt a gigantic chunk of the year yep. last year. Got thrust into it. He did really well. Game. Yep. James Gordon, Donald Willis. Um, and then keep an eye on Braylon Oliver. Really raw, really talented. So essentially, what did I just do? I just named four linebackers right there that are going to basically play two and a half spots. Okay? Right. Call it, call it that. There's something there, but it kind of folds back into what we were just talking about with the defensive line. As, as far as like who the guy is, who the rotation is, there seems to be a lot to get figured out right there. Well, and again, I'm going to go back to depth. I mean, you got your two, your two second stringers are both freshmen here. And I, I like Donald Willis's recruit. I think that's a, he was an underrated, probably underrated prospect. I think he's better than his rating was, but he's still just freshman. So yeah, again, front seven, I I, th- I'm, I like the starters. I just, I'm not crazy about the depth here. I think what you mostly need on this defense, if, if I am the defensive coordinator going in this year, I'm like, okay, who is going to be the guy? Yeah. You need a guy on defense. You know who the guy is on offense. Most of the time, it's the quarterback, a, a big splashy wide receiver can help too. So they got that, you know, like crazy on the offensive side of the ball, but we need somebody to be the dude on the defense. Yep. I don't think anybody knows who that is right now. My guess no. is they're not going to know until the ball gets kicked off pretty much know, in a week here. All right. So now we'll go to the schedule over under set at six and a half wins for the Gophers out of a nine game schedule. That is pretty good. So we could have probably gone over this at the beginning of the podcast, but we got to We got to do a little 30 for 30 here. Ah, I like that reference you just made there. Okay. So usually 30 for 30 is a, you know, really well done 
uh, ESPN documentary series. One but of the few things they do very well. I, they I really are excellent. That, at that is fantastic. But you know, that. the reason they're excellent is because they're not doing it. They just ask for a, a filmmaker to make a film and they it's put very, it on ESPN. It's a very good point. Yeah. It's a very good point. So the 3030 we're talking about here is from about a month and a half ago when it was pretty much looking dire that we were going to have a Big Ten football season. Yeah. Uh, there was a a interview that that PJ did that looked like he just got woke up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, or maybe he took a red eye flight, drank somebody roughed him up in the tarmac. I don't know. That was but, my thought. Yeah, I, mean, like, I looked at him like that's what I look like on a Saturday morning. Okay. It, it, long story short, he looked frantic and stressed, and and then he threw out the we we pulled our guys. And 30 for 30 said they weren't comfortable playing he, he football said he had, this he year. He had spoken individually with 30 players, and every single one was was in favor of not playing. Or, or not, approved of the, the the idea to at least postpone to next year, to, to be on January 1. And now we're playing football. And now we're playing football. I can't I can't look over that. I can't overlook that either. I, that's, that's a thing. That's, that factors into to my feeling about this team this year. To quote Yogi Bear, 90% of the game is half mental. Correct. And a football, I mean, if if you don't have the juice to play, it, it it's it's not gonna happen. And and but so then Minnesota fans will will say, Well, but look at this team last year, because they had the juice. If you remember, they didn't look very good early, but they got a little better, and they got a little better, and they got and it was all coaching. PJ Fleck did a great job getting their heads in the right place last year. So if I'm a Minnesota fan, I'm saying I I'm confident that he's going to get the guys on the right page. And I would say from from after the schedule or the season was back on, uh, PGA did a really good job of. He said the they interviewed him on the Big Ten Network and they said his first phone call was to uh, Rashad Bateman. Yeah, um, I mean we already kind of touched on it. It's, it's worth saying it again. Rashad Bateman coming back was huge. Absolutely for the overall tenor of what I feel about this football program. I got to think the teammates as well. Yeah. And I think the p- team kind of looks up to Rashad Bateman, right? Yes. I think so too. Yeah. All right. So going over the schedule, I think we can do the four and four with them. So we'll go the first four games starting out with the Michigan Wolverines. Then they go on the road twice to Maryland and Illinois, and then come home to play a Friday night game versus the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right. Uh, two and two definitely could happen there. Um, Four and zero could happen there. I'm yes, it could. I, I, do you think it's crazy that I think one in three no, could happen I, there? One in three is the floor, but I, that could happen. And what we're talking about is very plausible that they lose to Michigan and Iowa. Possible to lose against Illinois. Absolutely, yeah, it's possible. Okay. They've actually looked really good versus Illinois. In, they have in the PJ year era. Well, now nah, 2018. Remember they got okay. stomped. Oh, okay, you're that's, right. That's I forgot about the, that. I was I had that reversed in my head. Yeah, got Rob okay. Smith fired. Okay, but then got absolutely jolly stomped last year. Okay, so here. that's interesting. Uh, Illinois got jolly stomped. Almost kind of a, a PJ it, it, Illini it uh, rubber match here yeah. this year. And then the previous year, 17, it was a real dogfight to the end of the game. Okay. So, okay. Anyways, long story short, this is an interesting first four game. We expect them to roll the hats out and get Maryland, but there is a lot of stuff we are going to find out about the Minnesota Golden Gophers really in quick. those first four games. Oh, I think we're going to find out that first game. So I'm going to go scariest game of the year, Michigan. First game. Really? You're going scary? Correct. Okay. Because if 
they don't look good. Like I, I just I have this feeling that plugged in Minnesota fans also have a little bit of angsty feeling going okay. on now. I would be I would probably be equal parts excited and scared for that Michigan game because if Mulgi Ibrahim doesn't come out, yeah, the offensive line is gone. Right. A couple defenders that we're talking about roll out, and then all of a sudden you're down ten nothing to Michigan. That's okay. scary to me. So that's your scary. So um, I like that though. Okay, it's not who I picked. So, I'm heavy on first game scary games this year. Yeah. So uh, my guy Boatwagon. Yep. Uh, solid follow. Solid follow on the Twitters there. But he said, and he didn't have to tell me this because I had already picked this game. Okay. Illinois is his scariest game. Okay. And Illinois. I think, and I think to a certain degree, we just, you know. And one of the reasons I think so is early in the year, the biggest thing, the biggest question mark I have with Illinois is their overall health, and especially the health of Brandon Peters. They, they get Illinois early in the year, so it should be a fairly healthy Illinois team. Okay. Going on the road, that would be my scary game. I don't think there's because you know typically the scariest game is oh my gosh if we lose this because we should beat this. You know, so I get it sure. that 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 fits under what we typically have for how to list that. I just kind of went off the board a little bit for me um, for the last four games of the year. Purdue at Wisconsin for the Axe, Northwestern and then at Nebraska. OK, so for those four games right there, I could also see anywhere from one and three to four. and oh. um yeah, I mean, they I, could win all four of those. I mean, th- Minnesota is an enigma is, wrapped in a riddle for us. This, this is year. my wild card team in the Big Ten this year. I, they should be everybody's wild card team. Yeah, like, like, I, there is definitely things that you can point to with this team and say they're going to be fine. Yeah, offensive line is the. I mean, to me, it, well, I'm saying, it, I'm saying to, okay, you you've got an established coaching staff. Yes, and an, an, an extremely established quarterback. Yep. Bateman's a stud. Yep. Bait, uh, good running back. And you trust your defensive coordinator. Yes. All of those things that I just said are true and give you confidence. This will be a good team. But then there's a bunch of other question marks. You could flip, flip it on with the defense, the team psychology. We've hit on it, but I, I'm just saying like, I'm, you could make a plausible argument. I'm going to be crazy here at two and seven or eight and one. I know. I know it. <laughs> I swear it's I, the thing. I just don't know what to when, – when we're doing our picks, I'm going to have an extremely difficult time in Minnesota. Like it might be just roll the dice type of thing yeah. and then set the rest of the Big Ten West off of where they land. Yes, could be. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, biggest game of the year. I think you have a 1A and 1B here, All right, but I have biggest game of the year, Wisconsin. Okay, I went a different route. Okay. I went with Michigan. Okay. And here's why. I, I, I had Michigan down once. Okay. And I just said, you know, it's the axe, but go ahead. Not the axe. It's the jug. It's the jug game. Well, I'm saying, okay. So they, they haven't won the jug, and I don't even know how many years. I should have looked it up, but it's been forever. And this is something that my Minnesota fans just lament. Oh, God, we can never beat Michigan. We can never get that damn jug. So it's that's one reason. Michigan may be a little down this year, so you can get them. Get them. You're coming off an 11-2 and two year, so you're thinking – and by the way, they're favored in that game. Minnesota's favored in that game. And we're going to find out where the psyche of this team is at that first game. To me, this their biggest game of the year. I mean, one. have we ever had a home opener that wasn't, you know, against rivals or anything like that that has had – 
Biggest game, scariest game, interesting. What are we going to see? I mean, that's obviously, some... I can't wait to watch the Hawks play, but I can't wait to watch that Michigan. That is it the is... most interesting game of week one. I don't even think it's – I mean, we'll talk more you know, in a little bit, but I, I completely agree. I went with Wisconsin because if the season plays out like Minnesota fans think it will, that would be for the Big Ten West sure. title. Yeah. and getting, most... getting – I mean, that is – I believe that the, I think the team in the big 10 West that they hate the most and want to beat the most is Wisconsin. Oh, it is. But the one B team would be Iowa. Yeah. They've, they've beaten Iowa uh, or they've beaten Wisconsin once in the last five years. They've beaten Iowa zero times, zero times in the last five years. The pig is a trophy that you absolutely want to have. Um, but you know, you picked either one. You could, I could go either way yep. with that. All right. So that wraps up the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And that wraps up our Big Ten previews. All right. So the next uh, podcast out will be our predictions for the season. Yep. Um, I've only changed my mind right, you know, without writing them down about 12 to 15 times right now. So we'll see where it lands yep. uh, when we go. Uh, we are trying to get a guest for that podcast as well. No ah, promises, yeah. but we we think we might have one. Then after that, it will be officially into the regular season while we will have our first preview or uh, predictions podcast for the upcoming Big Ten season. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, man. I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.